Welcome one and all to episode 159 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we uh, went over the eventual national champion uh, conference, the SEC, last week. And now we go over the <laughs> eventual runner-up to the uh, SEC, the Big Ten. How you doing, man? As Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. No, uh, of course the SEC is the top dog when it comes to the conferences, but the Big Ten is, of course, my favorite conference to cover because I live in Big Ten country, and we get to talk about my alma mater, the Ohio State Buckeyes, who I think have a great shot at a national championship this year, and we're going to talk about them and all 13 other Big Ten teams. And then uh, Seth, this week on Patreon, we're going to do what we similar to what we did last week. We're going to talk about some Big Ten NFL draft sleepers to know. And we say sleepers in air quotes because they might still be known to you, but they aren't guys who are in you know the national football scouting top 25 or any of the players that we're going to talk about tonight. So I'm ready to roll. I love Big Ten football. It's one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, I've been looking forward to this show. Yeah, and you look at it, the Big Ten's going to, of course, be really just a, a off the bat a one one division race it's going to start in the big 10 east and so we're going to start with the stepchild the the big 10 west this this time uh we're going to go through and like we did last week we'll start seven to one uh so we can run through the the bottom teams fairly quickly there and, and really if we're starting with the west this division is really really up for grabs uh, but I think the Big Ten's moving to a format where the top two teams are playing each other for the Big Ten championship, regardless of division, right? Was that this year or is that next year? I, I honestly can't remember when they start these rules that they put in place. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so Northwestern, again, these are Athlon's rate rankings going into the season uh justin and i just steal this because it's much easier than arguing about who finishes below ohio state and uh wisconsin so um but yeah number seven northwestern another fantastic offensive line prospect um northwestern's been churning out day one and two prospects like one day one or two prospect pretty consistently over the last couple of years uh, but I'm interested in where Peter Skorinski, the Northwestern uh, offensive lineman, falls this year because there's one thing that's going to be glaring, and obviously we'll get a little more as we get closer to everything else, but Peter Skorinski, the Northwestern offensive lineman, 6'4", 294 that's going to be the thing to watch. Like, is he going to be big enough to play uh, OT? Everything we've seen footwork-wise, you know, that stuff, he looks like the real deal. But, like, we know how the NFL is, and and he is – I mean, he does look visibly smaller than than his opponents. Yeah, so uh, I want to say, before we get to Peter Skaronsky, like, it does seem like that rule change is going to be in the future, so not not in effect this year. Um, so I might have jumped a gun on that. But, yeah, Peter Skaronsky, you mentioned it. We've talked about him before. But that size, he's on the short side for an offensive tackle. He's on the light side for an offensive tackle. Is he going to have, you know, the length like uh, former uh, or Northwestern offensive lineman Rayshon Slater, who – was again he was around six four but he had the arm length and the athleticism to to stay there at uh offensive tackle or will he have to move inside that's going to be the key question here but it seems like a lot of draft nicks and scouts so far they think he they are projecting an offensive tackle so it seems like they think he has the arm length to make it happen and that he has the frame where he can add some weight uh, so I'll, I'll go along with that for now. I mean, there's no reason for me to to question that. I think he's, he's shown, at least to this point in his career, that he's got the skill set 
to be able to play offensive tackle. Is there anybody else you want to mention from the Northwestern team? No, we'll go uh, up the ladder to the Fighting Illini here in, uh, I'm, I'm in Illinois, uh, a couple hours away from Champaign-Urbana, but that's where the Fighting Illini finished 5-7 and seven last year under Brett Bielema in his first year back in the Big Ten. And uh, I think that uh, the expectations will be a little higher this year. They're going to have a new starting quarterback because uh, – Peters, who had been their quarterback for the last couple of years, he's moving on. So they've got a quarterback competition. But the key player on offense, that's going to be the running back, Chase Brown. He ran for 1,005 yards last year, averaged 5.8 yards a carry. They've got uh, another running back there as well. So um, we're going to touch a little bit more on the Illini on the Patreon show. But that's uh, they're kind of bringing up the rear. Speaking of bringing up the rear, uh, Nebraska has been abysmal for a while now, and Scott Frost somehow survived the um, the three and nine season, and they've landed some big transfers. Uh, Texas transfer Casey Thompson is expected to be their starting quarterback. Uh, good ball player, twenty four touchdowns, nine interceptions last year. Obviously bowed out. Uh, to the Quinn Ewers transfer. Got to love college football now, right? <laughs> it's the Wild West right now. And then uh, speaking of transfers, and a guy we've talked about before, uh, Ochon Mathis comes in from TCU. Remember, in, in 2020, there was legit talk that he was going to be a first-round pick uh, in 2021. He really struggled last year. Um that program really struggled last year. I mean, Gary Patterson, who you and I think very highly of, uh, obviously is gone now. But like, it just it just got turned on its head last year. And and you know, Mathis was one of the casualties. We talked about Evans, uh, the running back that's at Ole Miss now, that is a borderline first round talent. It's it's crazy that they had Mathis and, and Evans, and I I know a player on each side of the ball doesn't make a team, but it's crazy to think that TCU is that bad when you've got legitimate first round talent game changers. Um, I'm interested obviously more in how Mathis comes back this year because man, that dude looked like the real deal, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of room for, for um, players to emerge as pass rushers in the big 10 when you had all those guys, you know, Hutchinson, Ojabo from Michigan, those guys are in the NFL. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti, he's moved on to the NFL. So I, I, that's another player who transferred into the Big Ten and had a huge senior year. So maybe Oshawn Mathis can uh, duplicate that. But you, like, like you said, with TCU, they had Zach Evans, they had Mathis. They had Quentin Johnston, who still remains with uh, the Horned Frogs program. But how did that team not – click maybe it was quarterback um deficiencies but you know scott frost is casey thompson maybe the best passer that he's had since he got to nebraska i mean it's definitely plausible and that's the thing is like we know that they haven't been um they haven't been able to make the transition to being a you know a, a spread team that so many coaches have come in there and tried and, and now frost is there and his offenses have really stagnated um when you know adrian martinez was the quarterback so it really maybe... seemed like martinez was destined for stardom when frost got that job after the freshman year that he put up and it just never clicked for him and now he's over at, at k-state and uh so this is a really it, like you said it's make or break for scott frost it's a, it's kind of amazing that he survived another season, but he had to fire his whole uh, coaching staff, basically replace all his assistants to make this uh, one year happen. So he's he's really a lame duck unless something really great happens. From there, we go to Minnesota. Um, ninth Throw year in the boat. Yeah, ninth year starter Tanner Morgan is back. <laughs> um, only only his fifth season. Sorry. 
Uh, 66%, little over 10 yards per attempt last year. 30 touchdowns, seven uh, interceptions. That was as a sophomore. Yeah, as a sophomore. And then um, since then, less than 60% completions, less than eight yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns, four, 14 interceptions. I mean, you row the boat into a wall enough, right? And He is... fell off a cliff after, you know, that sophomore season, draft Knicks liked him. Like you said, 66%, 10 yards an attempt, 30 to 7 TD interception ratio, 17 touchdowns in the last two years combined, 14 picks. He played a gutty game in the opener against Ohio State last year, but it wasn't enough. And uh, really just seems like uh, kind of an also-ran, a guy who's going to be an undrafted free agent. Uh, They do get running back Mo Ibrahim back from an Achilles injury. Um, but he he's like a super senior as well. He's like 24 years old. So this is a, uh, I don't know, PJ Flex seemed like he was on the right track with this program. I'm not sure how their recruiting has gone the last couple of years. And um, they were in a log jam at the top of this division at nine and four last year, along with, I think, th- the three other teams that we're going to talk about. But um, it just, they had a shot to get into that Big Ten championship game, but they they were not able to make it happen. Yeah, and it's interesting with this team that they've just never clicked. And realistically, I, I blame the fact that they keep running out a guy like Tanner Morgan. Like, if you're, I, and I get it that it's Minnesota still, but like at some point, you can't keep expecting them to take the next step and, and then watching them fail and be like, I, I can't understand why we can't be above you know, average. Um, well, you've got all these teams in this division. They, they, they don't, uh, they recruit about as well as they can. Right. But Fleck has always, you know, he, he's got a rah-rah style. I'm not sure how well that plays at a certain level. Um, you know, you and I have both played, played sports in our time. And, you know, you tell me, does, is that something that, that really works at a certain point you tune that out I think when it comes from, you know, it's it's something that will play at a lower level to motivate a lesser team. But now you're in the Big Ten. You've had opportunities to get into the Big Ten championship game. Um, he's not recruiting well enough. And then the rah-rah style only takes you so far, I think. And it, it's just one of those things, that row the boat thing. To me, it's a little bit corny. Um, I, I think he's... Seems like a nice enough guy, but it, you have to, at some point, you've got to up your recruiting game to compete in this conference. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, it, it's corny and and it hasn't turned out the results, but it's also, and I hate to say this, but it's the Minnesota football program. Like, that's why when you look at Iowa, you just – you say that sh- should be the goal for a lot of these programs. Uh, That's why the, Kirk Ferentz has a job for life there. <laughs> right. Because, because you or who, who's the coach at Northwestern? We talk about Pat Fitzgerald. Time. I was just right. going to say that to a, to a lesser extent, he seems to have a job for life because, and this is something we didn't really get into, but Northwestern went three and nine last year. The last time they went three and nine was 2019 in 2020. They won a big 10 ch- uh, or they won the, the, uh, Western Conference West. and played yeah. for a Big Ten championship. They also played for a Big Ten championship in 2018. So that's why Fitzgerald keeps that job. You know, nobody else gets that level of consistency at, at a program like Northwestern. That's why PJ Flex probably safe. You know, right. there's and, no reason and, to to run him out of town. Nine right. and nine that, and four is good for Minnesota. Right. Exactly. And like the like the the blinders of we can be you know. Michigan or, or Ohio State and you're like no you you can't you're, you're Minnesota it's the whole thing you have here in Arizona with why doesn't Arizona State compete and I'm like because they're not freaking USC like <laughs> like why I don't doesn't USC compete well they, they, they will now but <laughs> they yeah. will now yeah yeah but like it, that's the thing is like why you know why aren't they like Utah well they yeah they should be more like Utah but Utah wins seven eight games and then pops a a, a 10 win season and goes to the pac-12 championship every four years and and minnesota has to get to the level of iowa which we're going to talk about here in a second but who 
every few years will ruin the season for one of the top teams in this conference. We saw it with Ohio State um, back in, what uh, was it, 2016, 2017, around that time when they just blew Ohio State out of the water in Kinnick Stadium, picked off JT Barrett a few times. You know, Iowa has it in them to pull the rabbit out of the hat. As as we said with Northwestern, um, they get into that championship game every so often. Minnesota is not at their level yet, and I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. Iowa, the uh, the goal of all these other teams. That's how that's how you should want your program to run. Um, another good tight end, Sam Laporta. He's the headliner on offense, which tells you all you need to know. Um, they're <laughs> they've got a quarterback competition. We'll see see how that shakes out, but. Uh, nobody exciting, there. right? And they and they don't have the running back that they had last year. Yeah, which, Goodson, Tyler Goodson's yeah. on to the NFL. Yeah, which you know gave them a little uh, name recognition. So I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're, I mean, it's Iowa. They're never an offensive juggernaut. They they do the same thing every year, and that's why they're successful. And you look at it; they've got some linebackers this year: uh, Jack Campbell and Seth Benson. Um, they're going to headline and then obviously cornerback uh, Riley Moss being back from an injury. Uh, we'll see how his return looks, but he was playing at an extremely high level early in the season last year. Yeah. I love Riley Moss. He uh, he's a track star. He had four picks um, including two in a game early in the season. He's uh he he's got good size. He's six foot over over 190 pounds. So I really uh, think this guy, if he, if he's healthy, if that leg he was playing with a knee injury, I think it was a PCL. So he was able to play through it, but he decided to come back to play a year and get healthy rather than enter the draft. So he's going to be a little bit on the older side uh, as far as NFL prospect. He's probably going to be a mid round player. But the uh, guy has great speed to play corner, and he's a ball hawk. I'm, I'm a big fan. He's a gutty player, and um, their defense is going to be tough, at, as usual. From there, we go to Purdue. Did you know last... Purdue was 9-4 and four last year? Yeah, best, best season since 2003. That's amazing. I hadn't even graduated high school that but at that time i think i was already um i was already in my 40s by then no yeah <laughs> nothing wrong with that. not quite not quite uh but you look at it they come back they, i was they, 25 they, just <laughs> to clarify they bring back aiden o'connell uh just under 72 percent completion percentage here's the baffling stat to me right like just 71.6 percent which is good but he threw 11 interceptions. Like so <laughs> that is so a lot for college. Well, and it's just a lot for somebody that completed nearly 72% of his passes and I mean we know what that offense is. They they you know Rondell Moore came out of there. They use a lot of they use a lot of short you know horizontal passing game. Um and and they bring back their leading receiver in their tight end Payne Durham. Well, he's their leading returning receiver because they they lose two key guys. Receiver yeah, David, David, David Bell, Bell. Yeah. Receiver Milton Wright. Those two guys are gone. Payne Durham is their top leading returning receiver. So they're gonna have to get some production out of these other guys. But O'Connell, I know that that he has his fans. Um our our friends at the Shrine Game, um, Eric Galco and Owen Reese, they have been complimentary of Aiden O'Connell. And that's a great year as a quarterback, 71.6%, 8.4 yards per attempt, 28 TDs last year. That's a really good year. And finally, we go to Wisconsin. Um, Graham Mertz is back at Redshirt Jr., his third year starting. Again, another guy that's never really taken the next step that we expected them to, right? He had a great game. To lead off 2020, where he was almost perfect and threw five touchdowns. And then since then, it just hasn't clicked for this kid. Uh, he's got a ton of talent. 
uh, athleticism. He was a high recruit, one of the highest recruits at quarterback that Wisconsin's seen, at least in recent years, but I think ever. Um, great high school player out of Kansas. Um, I would love to see this, see it click for this guy. Uh, Mertz has athleticism. He's got a good arm. He's got a good size. Um, and, and I think he's clearly the best quarterback on their roster, but they need a little bit more out of him. And their best player on offense is running back Braylon Allen. They kind of recruited him as an athlete. They weren't really sure what they were going to do with him, but he's, he's like 6'2", 240, runs 4'4", and uh, he's, he's kind of picked up, not quite where Jonathan Taylor left off, but he had a great year. He's only a true sophomore, so we'll start uh, talking about him more next year. But as usual, Wisconsin, they are able to reload because they do a good job of developing players once they get there. They, they recruit in their lane. Sometimes they get some big ones, but they develop players very well. Only eight returning starters, so it's kind of a... It's it's a little bit of a leap for Athlon to put them at number one in this division where there was so much parity last year. But you've got a, a junior linebacker, Nick Herbig, who had nine sacks last year, 14 and a half tackles for loss, four pass breakups. He's kind of the headliner there. Again, only eight returning starters for this team. But they've got players that can fill in, and they, they, uh, do, they do a really good job of reloading for like a second-tier program. Let's move on to the East and start out with uh, Indiana, who is not good, 2-10 and and last Hoosiers. season. Um, disappointing year when you look at who they brought back, uh, you know, last year. They looked like a team on the rise in 2019-2020, and just to, go, to bottom out at 2-10 and 10 last year. And then quarterback Michael Penix transfers out of the program. But they got a transfer coming in too, and that's yeah, got, uh, Connor Bazelik. Yep. And when you look at it, this is going to be another tough year uh, for them. Their their prospect load right now is still light. Um, you know, Ty Freifogel didn't make the leap that we were hoping to see, and some of that was probably Penix and and uh, and Peyton he's on to the NFL now. Yeah, Peyton Hendershot didn't. You know live up to the hype um so you know i still like him a lot but yeah he's on to the nfl as well yeah and and so so these guys that we expected to help are gone and you just really don't know what they have in in you know to restock Uh, they're bringing in other transfers at the skill positions actually so and i think they've made some uh coaching changes uh, in the offensive coaching staff, Bazelik actually I think is an upgrade for them at quarterback. But two and ten, they've got a long road to hoe, and this is a tough, tough division. Next, we have Rutgers, who again, I don't know, Noah Verdal, uh, Vedral, sorry, back for his third year as a starter. It, I'm not joking when I tell you this. Sixth year of college football. Sixth year, third team. Yeah, he's uh, and now he's, you know, starting again. Uh, safety, every young is their kind of guy to watch on on defense. They've just, I mean, again, you expect them every once in a while to to at least put up a fight, and they just they never do. Well, I. I disagree with you a little bit because Greg Schiano was there back in his first year since coming back to Rutgers. And I think they were more competitive last year than most people expected them to. But I just don't know there's a lot of growth potential from there. I think they were five and seven last year, and I, I think they're gonna struggle to be any better than that, at least in this in in this division and with uh Vedral at quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see. They've got to replace Bo Melton. He was their best offensive player. They got to replace running back Isaiah Pacheco. So uh, it's going to take some time. But Shano gives them an edge that that they didn't have before. He gives well, them and bit. you know, it's one of those situations too. If you're Rutgers, unless there's a controversy, Shiano should just be the quarterback until, or not the quarterback, the coach until 
he either shows that he can't rebuild it to where it was before he left for the NFL or, you know, I, I mean, there's just nothing. They, they haven't done anything to, you know, make it so that you want or that it's a desired destination or something that it could be, you know, more than what it is. So they're kind of a match made in heaven because nobody else wants Shiano either. He, he's kind of poison in the coaching circles, except for Rutgers where they already had a history, but he, he had uh, been, I think at one point he was basically named Tennessee's head coach, but that was so unpopular and so disastrous that that fell through and it just he just really um get, just kind of was a black sheep in the coaching circles and Rutgers because they're Rutgers they they hired him without a lot of um, pushback so it's kind of a perfect fit it's it's like two um misfit toys you know like from from the Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer special and uh that's they're kind of married to each other like you said for a long time it gets interesting after this because I feel like two, three, and four have a shot, but it with how good have a shot at what second place? Yeah, with how good Ohio State is primed to be, it's going to take somebody somebody becoming special and i can tell you it won't be penn state with sean clifford returning first fifth year well we don't want to skip maryland oh sorry i skipped maryland my bad and they had a good season last year first winning season since 2014 sorry i got excited um (laughs) talia tagavailo returns they have some interesting um wide receivers in in rakeem jarrett and um Dante Demas is back from a leg injury, and then they landed an interesting transfer prospect from in Jacob Copeland from Florida. Yeah, I I almost saved Jacob Copeland to talk about for the Patreon show, but I think we talked about him as a sleeper last year when he was in Florida. But he's a, a very talented kid, good size, great speed. Dante Demas, I really think he's a, a, a very, very good player. Rakeem Jarrett was a high recruit. Uh, Demas had a gruesome leg injury, I think suffered on a kickoff return. And wasn't that on national TV that night? Oh, it was brutal. It was, it was one of those ones where you, you know, get sick to your stomach on a replay, but he's healthy now and he's uh, motivated. I'm really rooting for him to have a great season. Like I said, Jarrett is, was a high recruit and it looks like, you know, for me, he's living up to it. It's considering what kind of program. This is he's a true junior, and this uh, should be his last year at Maryland. Uh, Tagvailoa, he's put up pretty good numbers. He's been really bad against top competition, but he's been really good against lower competition. So it's enabled him to put up good stats. So, uh, like you said, Maryland seven and six last year. I think this is. I think Athlon did a good job that Maryland's right at the middle of this conference and and especially in this division, they're going to push the envelope on offense, but I don't think they have the, I don't think they have the skill on defense to hold other teams to lower scores. So I think they're going to get outscored a lot. So now uh, let's move on to Penn state. You were so excited. So I'll let you uh, pick up where you left off with Sean Clifford. Yeah. And so, as I was saying, the problem is, you know, these these teams have recruited well. They've done a nice job of bringing in talent. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Michigan State and the fact that they se- seem to somehow win the transfer portal every year, right? But again, it comes back to the quarterbacks, and they're just there's not enough talent at Penn State with Sean Clifford back for his fifth year, fourth year as a starter. Our good friend Kyle Posey texted us uh, during the draft period because he was doing some work on Jalen Dotson and or Jahan Dotson, excuse me, and and said Clifford is the worst starting quarterback I can remember. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy that again, like you're Penn State man, like you've got you had a first round pick in uh, Dotson, you had a second round pick coming off a of freaking. Achilles injury in Arnold Lebacchetti, like you've got guys 
you're showing that you're producing guys going to the NFL. How can you not find a quarterback that's better than Sean Clifford? I think Ebiketti is is actually healthy. You might have been thinking about Jabo. With oh the yeah, sorry, injury. sorry. Um, but yeah, that that's a, the million dollar question with Penn State is how have under all these years with James Franklin, who's doing a very good job recruiting, he's done a good job coaching. They, they've had a good record year in year out there, tough out, but they can't develop a quarterback. There's got to be somebody. Somebody has to get in James Franklin's ear and get on him about that because, you know, they're constantly, um, you know, they couldn't develop Christian Hackenberg. They went with Trace McSorley for a long time. Clifford is now in his fourth year as the starter. And it's, it's beyond comprehension to think that Penn State can't bring in a better quarterback. I know they have a, a highly touted recruit coming in, but there's no chance they're going to go with a true freshman at uh, quarterback this year. The good news is, as usual, they have some talented receivers. Uh, they're bringing in a transfer, Mitchell Tinsley, who had over 1,400 yards receiving last year at Western Kentucky. So he infuses some talent in the receiving core. He joins Parker Washington. That's a strong duo. And they've got some other strong players on the defense. Uh, headlined by Joey Porter Jr. I think he was a guy that the NFS liked, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, so Penn State's tough, but Athlon has them fourth, and I think that's right. I mean, they're going to be third or fourth in this division. Well, and like I said, that would be better if they had a quarterback. Uh, it really is tough to understand how they don't have a quarterback. Our third is Michigan State. Again, they, they have just done an excellent, excellent job with the transfers. They bring in um, Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard. We talked about them a couple of weeks ago. Right. Um, that look to replace, you know, a day two pick in Kenneth Walker. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Reed is this. And big, I have that wrong. It's Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed. Yeah, I wrote uh, that down. Is the big second leading returning uh, touchdown scorer. Um, you know who's first? Uh, probably the guy from Ohio State. Travion Henderson, right. He's the leading returning touchdown scorer. But Jaden Reed, last year, he's a senior coming in. He He's actually a transfer, too, I think, from Western Michigan. But last year, Jaden Reed, 10 receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, two punt return touchdowns. Very impressive. And you look at it, uh, he's, you know, joined or – he and Parker Washington. That's a strong. No, Parker Washington. Sorry, I'm I'm in the wrong spot. <laughs> uh, and then you look at you look at their um, their defense, and that's what's been interesting, right? They they haven't brought in great draft prospects yet, but they're getting a lot out of these guys uh, this year. They're going to be led by uh, Xavier Henderson, um, who had three sacks and ten tackles for loss last year. Like, this is a program that's really interesting to me because it seems like, like I was talking about with Northwestern, and and I don't mean to make this parallel in, in saying that, like, Northwestern's on the level of Michigan State as a program, but the reality is, is that, like, these programs have like one or two prospects and they're still being able to, you know, put together consistent uh, winning seasons. At least Michigan state has um, since D'Antoni, you know, moved on. Yeah. Mel Tucker has done, like you said, a great job recruiting out of the transfer portal. Um, there's he's finding, a reason he's finding guys that fit what he wants to do. Yeah, and there's a reason why they are paying him a great deal of money uh, to be a coach there. They was really, like, really wanted Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker is a, a excellent defensive coach. Like you said, he's getting the most out of these guys. They don't have the recruits that Ohio State and Michigan have on the defensive side of the ball, but he's getting a lot out of those guys. You mentioned Xavier Henderson with 10 tackles for lost three sacks. He's, he's a defensive back, but they're finding a way to get him involved in – the pass rush in, in playing near the line of scrimmage. And he's very effective 
we saw the limitations of this team when they played Ohio State. Ohio State immediately shut down Kenneth Walker, dared Michigan State to pass on them. Peyton uh, Thorne was not good enough uh, early in that game. They turned it over a bunch of times. They got blown out of the water. That's the next step. But we know Mel Tucker is uh, has that Michigan State team competitive with Michigan. And we know Michigan beat Ohio State last year, you know, much to my chagrin. But uh, this is a... These these four teams that we're talking about right now, Penn State, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, they're the, right now the cream of the crop in the Big Ten. Maybe Wisconsin fits in there somewhere, but um, they're all in the same division. And everybody's well, got to get through the next two teams we're going to talk about. Well, and the interesting thing is this, you know, the Michigan State, to, to your point, they they could compete with Michigan and Ohio State if they did one of two things, and that is either one, you know, you've got to have some impact defensive guys. And like you said, Mel Tucker's getting the most out of his guys on defense, but we don't know anything about these guys, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like They need to up their NIL game is what you're saying. Right. And you look at it, you know, they don't have, they don't even have a David Ojobo, let alone an Aiden Hutchinson. And that's, you know, that's why Michigan was able to do something last year with no, you know, quarterback in, in, in tow, right? And, and so that's right. the thing is, like, you don't have to have a quarterback to compete. It makes it a lot easier. Right. But, you know, Penn State, like, when your best players are, are your running backs and your wide receivers like they have been the last couple of years, you know, after Micah Parsons decided he wasn't going to come back and play during COVID year, like – you gotta you gotta have a quarterback to get them the ball but you know if you're if you're going to model after the michigan thing or hell even the georgia thing now you're not going to be in the recruiting classes of georgia but you know you've got to have legit four or five draftable guys um, that's on- wisconsin does a really good job of that i think um you know th- they do it along the offensive line they do it in the linebacking core and the defensive backfield. Wisconsin does a really good job of that, and that's why they've been probably um, the best team in that Western division. But, yeah, you're right. And, and Michigan um, Michigan State, you know, Mel Tucker, that, that's only two years he's been there. Yeah, he's he's going to do it. He's, you know, like we said, he's – He's doing it in the transfer portal right now. Like I think he's, he's doing gonna, a great job supplementing his roster with the transfer portal, and we'll see how his recruits turn out. Michigan's got a quarterback competition between Cade uh, McNamara and JJ McCarthy. Um, we have to imagine that McNamara's the front runner there because Harbaugh likes his veterans, right? Yeah, he likes bad football. Um, and then <laughs> I'm not gonna. Then I can't. I can't talk about him like that this year. Normally then, I would, but I got to give him his due. But look, uh, McCarthy is an electric talent. I think he's, uh, you know, if he doesn't take over this year, obviously he'll be starter next year. He is from my neck of the woods. In fact, my old neck of the woods. Um, he played at Nazareth Academy over in, I think that's LaGrange Park, Illinois. And then he went to IMG during the COVID year in high school in 2020. Played a little bit last year and had some dynamic plays, but he just uh, Harbaugh stuck with McNamara, and you can't really fault him, right? Because he got that elusive win against the Buckeyes, and he went to a big time uh, college football playoff bowl game. And then, um, you know, they have a good wide receiver coming back, and Ronnie Brown from a from an ACL. Their offensive line is is pretty veteran laden and we've seen that they produce you know good day two day three offensive linemen consistently um that's actually been the harbaugh method right <laughs> since he since he was even back at at stanford so they've done a good job with their offensive and defensive lines um sign up but, for our patreon <laughs> become a generational patron and i already wrote about michigan that's posted on the site there um, and give you some good insight into the offensive linemen they have and the pass rushers who are projected to replace Hutchinson and Ojabo. They're not 
uh, on that level, but you have to do some projection there. They've got some good athletes there uh, coming in. Michigan, uh, not only Rodney Brown, but they've got uh, Cornelius Johnson in that receiving core. He's a bigger receiver along the lines of like Nico Collins a couple of years ago. And uh, they got Blake Corum at running back. He's, he's a big time player. And they've got a couple of young running backs, not draft eligible, coming up behind Corum. So the, the key is going to be, again, quarterback play. Can McNamara play well enough? He played well enough last year to get them uh, into the playoffs and, and uh, get a win over Ohio State. Um, but McCarthy, I think long-term, he's the better talent. And it'll be interesting to see if Harbaugh kind of deviates from his history and, and goes with the young gun. Um, I think that would be the play. and uh, But... You know, Harbaugh doesn't care about NFL draft. He cares about winning college football games, and he's made that very clear. So uh, I think this guy saved his job last year, and now he's a uh, coach that wants that's probably uh, looking to get a big money extension now. Finally, we go to Ohio State. Their offense is um, stacked. They've got, obviously, C.J. Stroud, who's projected to be one of a top five pick. They have. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's projected to be the first wide receiver off the board. They have Paris Johnson Jr., who's projected to be a, uh, one of the first offensive linemen off the board, if not the first offensive lineman off the board. Um, then you, you factor in underclassmen like Trayvon Henderson, who's going to be a, a day one pick uh, next year. Amika Egbouquet and Marvin Harrison Jr. Like It's a, it's a great... Um, it's a great offense. Now, the question they're going to have is can their defense step up and, and, and help out when the offense does have an off drive or two? Because that's, that's kind of what it felt like last year, right? If the offense didn't score every drive, then it, it could be a problem. Uh, they bring in a new DC and Jim Knowles. They're, they're not... They don't have the same pass rush oomph that we've expected from them, right? Right. And to clarify something I just said a minute ago, um, Harbaugh it did get extended through 2026 after last year. So um, that shows you just how key it was for him to have that season last year where he went from hot seat to signed through 2026 for big money. But yeah, to Ohio State, um, there hasn't been the pass rush presence since Chase Young. And I mean, that's those are big shoes to fill. We saw a little bit out of Jonathan Cooper and, and Tyreek Smith the year after that. Zach Harrison was supposed to be the next guy up, and he just hasn't broken out. He came back for senior year. He's got all the talent in the world. He's 6'6", 270, runs in the four fours, right? And I'm not exaggerating. He ran a 4.47 in high school. He was a track star at uh, Olentangy Orange in Columbus, in uh, Delaware County there, north of Columbus. So can Knowles finally unlock him? Like Larry Johnson's one of the best defensive line coaches in college football, and he hasn't got uh, Zach Harrison to the point of being a sack master. You've just seen flashes. That's a player they need to step up. Uh, Cam Johnson or Cam Brown on the and at cornerback was a uh, player that the NFS has ranked highly. Although I fancy him more as like a mid round pick. Um, he came off an Achilles injury in 2020. Had a pretty good season. We talked about him a little bit a couple weeks ago. The offense is the story with Ohio State, though. I mean that's. Really what it is, it's it's C.J. Stroud. He's the highlight. He's the quarterback one in this, in college football, in this draft class. If not quarterback one, he's quarterback 1B with Bryce Young. Jackson Smith and Jigba broke a ton of records as basically the third receiver in that offense last year. Ohio State absolutely lit up Utah in a bowl game playing um, against the depleted Utah defense. But like you said, that defense wasn't stopping Utah. 
so they really it really was a shootout uh to get to that point so uh i've got a name for you on defense for ohio state that's going to be coming up on the on the patreon show but i think jim Knowles is has to be the difference maker the new defensive coordinator he's got to be the difference maker because if ohio state can stop you from scoring they're going to outscore you easily this is a stacked offense with um you know i know their line wasn't always the greatest last year, but it's enough with Stroud, with Henderson, with Smith and Jigbo, with Emeka Abuka, with Marvin Harrison. Like these guys are legit players, legit NFL prospects. And Ohio State, if Jim Knowles can get that defense on track, Ohio State is in the top three in terms of contention for the national championship, right there with Georgia and Alabama. That's going to bring us to our hot take to end the show. Why don't you, uh, why don't you read this hot take to us? <laughs> okay, well, um, it was this came from PFF College, and like I've said so many times, PFF uh, tends to be a goldmine for hot takes for this segment, and uh, the top ten. Quarterbacks in college football per Anthony Anthony Trish. Okay. Uh, Anthony Trish must write for Pro Football or PFF. Sorry, PFF College. Number one, Bryce Young. Number two, Caleb Williams, now of USC. Number three, Spencer Rattler. Number four, no. CJ Stroud. And then five, Sam Hartman, six, Grace McCall, seven, Brennan Armstrong of Virginia, eight, Dylan Gabriel, nine, Keaton Slovis, uh, who they still have with USC in this graphic. He's at Pitt, guys. Wake up. And uh, Tyler Van Dyke at 10 of Miami, rounding out the top 10. Wake up, Anthony. And not only is it bad to have Keaton Slovis still on USC, but it is incredibly bad to have CJ Stroud below. Spencer Rattler, and in fact, Kevin, with a check mark, at Boys underscore 22, he sums up my feelings quite well, Seth. He says, Rattler over Stroud is one of the worst takes I've seen on this app. Absolutely inex- inexcusable. Seth, what is the excuse to have Spencer Rattler, who was benched and banished to the transfer portal, over CJ Stroud, who... Threw for almost 5,000 yards and uh, set a bunch of records for the Ohio State Buckeyes last year. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's, it goes back to something we've talked about before with, with PFF, and that's they tend to fall into a trap that a lot of novices do, and that's to hold on to a take. And you got to remember, they were heavy in the – in the Spencer Rattler player quarterback number one. And I mean, as were we, I mean, admittedly, we, it's not like we were saying that he's, you know, was awful and he's going to fail and flame out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We were in on Rattler in last summer, right? not (laughs) not once the season started. Especially for a place that's supposed to be analytical, analytics driven or, you know, data driven or whatever. Once you, get more information you can change your opinion or you can mold your grades to fit your what my my friend matt kelly of roto underworld uh, calls take lock you can you can change your perception to fit your take lock and it just feels like that's what they're doing here that they're that they're backing themselves in this corner of well this is what our take was last year and we're not going to back down from that. You know, obviously Williams isn't draft eligible yet, so that's not a big deal. I I would still disagree with the take. Agree. I I mean, I agree with your disagreement. Uh, Caleb Williams is not better than C.J. Stroud. He might be someday. Right, right. And so that's the thing. So if you're saying like, hey, we're not just basing this off their NFL draft ability. Nothing wrong with that. I'm. You know what? I'll respect that you're going out on a limb. It is it is a limb, 
but you're going out on a limb to try to make a make a call. That's fine. I mean, I, I respect that, but we have we have the tape, so to speak. We know what Spencer Rattler was. We know what CJ Stroud was. Until there's games that are played, you can't tell me in any way, shape, or form that Rattler should be above Stroud. Literally, if you'd had Rattler fourth here on this list, I probably wouldn't have even complained about this. Um, because then, you, like I said, then after that, you got Sam Hartman, Grayson McCall, Brennan Armstrong, Dylan Gabriel, Keaton Slovis, Tyler Van Dyke. Who are you really going to war for out of out of those names? Maybe Van Dyke. I know he's appeared in some early first-round mocks. Hey, you know what name is missing, though? Uh, not, to, not to step on anything, but you know what name is Anthony missing? Richardson. And the guy that's better than C.J. Stroud, Will Levis. <laughs> that's you, you know and that's uh yeah nfs as we talked about on our show um i forget which show it was whether it was the free show or patreon that week but yeah will levis was higher rated by nfs than cj stroud also spencer rattler was nowhere to be found on that but um and neither was anthony richardson for that matter um but we've seen both levis and richardson in the first round of mocks so interesting <laughs> to point that out, but you know, a- Anthony uh, Trish got his clicks and got definitely got his engagement. And again, PFF, you got us again, man. <laughs> We're talking about you, son of a bitch. <laughs> Anything else before we get out of here? No, thanks to uh, everybody who listens and signs up. Thank you to PFF for um, continually uh, supplying us with hot takes. And thank you, uh, as always, to producer Rob. Uh, I think you probably get away without bleeping me on that last one, Rob. But uh, thanks anyways. And uh, we'll talk next week. We're going to do what? Uh, some other conference in the Power Five. Maybe yeah. Big 12? Yeah. While it still exists? Maybe the, AC, maybe the ACC. They we'll keep you have, guessing. We'll do they one. Li- they at least have Clemson. and <laughs> Good call. Maybe we, ACC. We, we can throw Notre Dame in there and just be like, look, they're actually good. Why not? Um, yeah. So, but thanks for listening as always. We'll be back next week with another free show. Make sure to check out our Patreon um, if you want the bonus episode. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That Just something kind of, what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A, a read, yeah. That's it. Right yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>